Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. On this Tuesday episode, we're going to be talking about a number of topics like uh, trimming down EWU's budgets. It sounds like they're in trouble for their sports programs as well as uh, spending. And, and we see this with the universities where they just have all these adjunct professors and they spend all this money on so many different things. Cost of tuitions are going up all in all these universities, but uh, they're looking for more sources of revenue, but I think they're going to just have to trim the budgets. We'll see how they do that. We're going to talk about that as well as things having to do with transportation, housing, and anti-housing or uh, anti-camping after some inspiration. Our inspiration today is the Christmas dilemma. David and Angie had felt called to move overseas, and the fruitful ministry that followed seemed to confirm it. But there was one downside to their move. David's elderly parents would now spend Christmas alone. David and Angie tried to mitigate his parents' Christmas Day loneliness by posting gifts early and calling on Christmas morning. But what his parents really wanted was them. With David's income only permitting an occasional trip home, what else could they do? David needed wisdom. Proverbs 3 is a crash course in in wisdom-seeking, showing us how to receive it by taking our situations to God, describing its various qualities such as love and faithfulness and its benefits as peace and longevity. In a touching note, it adds that God gives such wisdom by taking us into his confidence. He whispers his solutions to those who are close to him. Praying about his problem one night, David had an idea. Next Christmas Day, he and Angie put on their best clothes, decorated the table with tinsel, and brought in the roast dinner. David's parents did the same. Then placing a laptop on each table, they ate together via video link. It almost felt like they were in the same room. It's become a family tradition ever since. God took David into his confidence and gave him wisdom. He loves to whisper creative solutions to our problems. Heavenly Father, please whisper to our hearts your creative solutions to the problems that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we need creative solutions, and I think our lawmakers and those policy wonks that help change laws, those advocates, sometimes they're activists, sometimes I think they're domestic terrorists, who change our laws uh, need wisdom. And uh, oftentimes those laws, policies, and statutes have problems. And, you know, we've had the state representatives in, we've had politicians running for office in wanting to solve problems. Oftentimes, government does knee-jerk reactions to issues and they create more problems than they do solutions for the problems. Uh, One of which was uh, documented by the Journal of Business in their uh, early December front page article, Housing Code Consequences. And basically, we're looking at these conflicting laws that are going to be hindering appraisers and borrowers. And so this, uh, I'll just quote from the article, new city and state laws intended to provide more housing and more affordable housing appear to be inadvertently making buying a home more complex and possibly more expensive. Essentially, new laws that increased density on what were zoned as single-family lots previously no longer will be eligible for traditional mortgage loans or residential appraisals, but instead will require commercial or multifamily loan and new purchases, refinancing, and commercial appraisals. 
real estate appraisers are calling for an amendment to the city of Spokane's new housing law that takes effect January 1st, citing the statute's impact on appraisers, lenders, buyers, sellers, says Bob Mazzuto, president of the Appraisers Coalition of Washington. At the center of the appraisers' concern are federal lending statutes that identify residential property as one to four units. So there's unintended consequences to laws that get passed and policies that get put into place. Oftentimes, these policies are not well thought out. They're not well researched. And just like welfare, and we don't drug test for welfare, there's unintended consequences that people will fraud the programs and use them to help drug cartels poison our communities. Or, you know, they'll say, well, we want to make more affordable housing. Well, it's no longer going to be more affordable because now that housing isn't a residential lot. It's a commercial lot. So guess what? And I didn't see this in the article because I didn't go through every detail. But if your housing changes zoning, and you're no longer a residential property with a residential appraisal, then you become a commercial property with commercial appraisal. So now it's going to be worth a lot more. So you're going to pay a lot more in taxes, which means you have to charge more for rent. But you're also going to pay more if you're a commercial property for, guess what? I didn't see this in the article, but utilities, because commercial structures pay higher rates for utilities. So now if you're a commercial property, you're thinking, wow, I just wanted to create more housing. I, you know, I got a brother-in-law, I've got, you know, a, a kid that probably isn't going to be able to buy their own home because the My cost of housing. My parents need a place to stay. Yeah, you're going to have to take care of those elderly parents in one of those ADU units. Well, guess what? Now they're going to have to solve this problem. And they're saying it's up to a sixplex, but the, now they're going to change the laws again. They're going to ask for amendments so that it's one to four units federally. They're going to try to change it locally. They're going to increase the cost of housing. Every time they touch this, every time a politician says affordable housing, folks, it gets more expensive. That's just the truth. That's what's happened. People can come in and say, oh, well, we tried to change the law here and we tried to there. And no, they make, not only do they make housing more expensive, they make it less square footage. They make it less appealing. They make it less property. They make it less comfortable. So here's what I'd like to really see them make something happen. Like, so last week we talked about crime and we talked about security and security guards and the businesses that are closing and the businesses that are moving and, and the fact that people are losing. They lost $300 million in uncollected taxes. Yeah. So if we could just create accountability for the people that are doing things, we would have some more money to use in other places. $300 million well, right. in uncollected taxes. Right. Well, they're just going to transfer that to a new tax somewhere else. Maybe they'll transfer it over to, you know, those property taxes that increase our rents and our mortgages because so more housing can be built so that they can build affordable housing that's not affordable for those that are paying for housing because their mortgages and rents go up yeah all of these so-called solutions to some people i mean it sounds great you know it sounds great you can create an adu for your aging parents well if it becomes a commercial property or you can't get it appraised or you have you to go out get a loan. and get a new loan because you didn't have a commercial loan 
loan, you had a residential loan. Yeah, it kind of complicates things. And, you know, we really do need our lawmakers and policymakers to have some wisdom and look out for unintended consequences instead of just trying to throw band-aids on a gaping wound that's gushing, find something to plug the hole and actually do something that helps the people that they're pretending to help. And like I think you want to help the homeless, drug test for welfare and create programs that help these people be accountable. How about listen to the residents, listen to the people that are paying the taxes for you to have your job in government, no, right? No, we no, have no, the no, landlords, no, the no, landlords. No, no, shut up and pay your taxes. That's your job as a taxpayer. Shut up and pay your taxes. They know better than us, Shannon. They know better than us. Well, we have lots of people trying to tell them different solutions and different ways to take care of our lack of housing for people. And it seems to be that all of the recommendations are falling on deaf ears. And well, we'll hear yeah. more about that tomorrow um, we when will. we talk to um, a gentleman that's going to be here to, to fill us in, fill on, us that in topic. on some of these details. Well, I mean, originally, we got to get back to the original conversation, except for you can't do that because governing bodies and, you know, task forces, affordable housing task force, affordable housing commission, all these people, the more they do, well, the more they expect a paycheck for what they do, the more expensive housing gets. That's just every time. And we should just go back to the original conversation. No government, we don't need you in this topic. We need you to go back to your little office where you were and, and do what you were doing. Don't expand your government impact because guess what? The expansion of government impact on housing whether it's considered affordable or not, is going to increase the cost of housing because you got to pay for those bureaucrats to sit there to come up with bad ideas that have bad consequences or good ideas that can't be done because of other things that people just like them that sat in a desk and made too much money because to come up with ideas. Because we didn't collect $300 million in, in tax revenue. Well, that's a separate topic completely, but they're going to tax us no matter what. But the more they try to do to inject themselves into issues, I just, it's housing gets more expensive. Nothing has gotten less expensive with these so-called political solutions. So I wonder what other things government wants to make affordable next? You know, maybe they what they should do is create uh, a tax incentive, tax rebate that they'll tax us somewhere else for like homeless encampments and tents. Maybe the appellate court upholds the decision on the city's new anti-camping law. The initiative, guess what, was legally put on the ballot. So the initiative was legally put on the ballot, and it's a it's a legal constitutional law according to the appellate judge. Yep, a state court of appeals ruled on Thursday, December 7th, that the voter approved Proposition 1, which banned camping within 1,000 feet of Spokane schools, parks, playgrounds, and licensed daycare facilities, was a legal initiative upholding the will of the voters. Well, of course, it's legal to say that public property that we all pay taxes for that are close to, well, anything, I think, whether it's school park, how about transportation infrastructure, uh, private business of any kind. I, I think that the initiative could have gone much, much further. I think that it's okay as a community to say that we're not going to allow public drunkenness. We're not going to allow public intoxication or, you know, drugs of any kind. People are all drugged out. These are drug camps. They're not just homeless camps. They're drug camps. Maybe there's some extreme mental illness. I'm almost going to guarantee there's drug abuse with 
those individuals as well. But these are drug encampments that we're subsidizing and we have advocates that want to create places where people can live in third world conditions where they're defecating on the sidewalk, they're defecating in the bushes nearby the encampments, they're you know throwing their garbage into sewer drains, they're throwing their garbage behind uh, you know the trees, behind the business, behind somebody's house. And I don't think we should tolerate it. I mean, of course there's people, oh well, there's people that are homeless for you know no fault of their own. And there are people that are temporarily homeless that do need assistance, whether it's from a local nonprofit, um, there's state resources and welfare programs, there's temporary programs that people can find resources. There's shelters that will there's help them shelters, get places that they can uh, get resources short term. I get it. Let, let's let's help people. You know, somebody can have a an ailment. Somebody can have a death in the family. That temporary homeless condition is something that we we should be compassionate and and try to see what we can do to help these people back into a, a productive life, a healthy living conditions where they actually have running water and a toilet and those kinds of things. These people that want these continued encampments, they are not wanting to live in the first world. They want to live in third world conditions and those. Those advocates just want to profit off of the creation of a homeless industrial complex. We have people that are on long-term housing, like they've been on housing their whole entire life. I know of people that have been on housing pretty much my entire lifetime and probably could have been working a job most of that time, but they just decided to live on the state. So we have very generous welfare programs that people have abused for decades and all of these individuals, if they don't want to be in an encampment because they're not allowed to be, there's plenty of organizations out there that if they just want to follow a few rules, like basic rules, like don't break the windows, don't, you know, light the place on fire, don't assault your neighbors, right? Well, unfortunately, this is unlikely to be the last legal challenge for Proposition 1. No, because we have a new mayor in town and she's appointing all sorts of people. Throughout the suit, attorneys for the plaintiffs who happen to have been Julie Garcia from Jewel's Helping Hands and our very own Ben Stuckert. He's not mine. Even if it was legal to... Hold on. That's Ben Stuckert, former president of the city council. That's correct. That has been actively trying to get a six-figure income off the homeless industrial complex, who has just been recently put on a task force by the new mayor. That's right. So throughout the suit, attorneys for the plaintiffs argued that even if it was legal to place the initiative on the ballot, the resulting ban on camping, regardless of available space in local homeless shelters, is unconstitutional under Martin versus Boise. And in the meantime, Julie Garcia says that she will work with the homeless population to find places where they can legally camp, noting that there are not sufficient shelter beds in the city and that hundreds will remain on the streets. So they say not sufficient shelter beds well that's just looking at the city shelter beds that doesn't look at the other catholic charities beds well union gospel mission gospel mission there's other organizations that are willing to help provide housing but none of these people want to follow any rules they don't want to have to actually use a real restroom they don't want to have to actually follow housing guidelines in 
in any location. They want to they want to live in your backyard. They want to set up encampments where they can find good places. And guess what? Since they won't be able to do it near schools, child cares, or parks, I guess it's going to be next to your residential neighborhood. That's Julie Garcia and Ben Stucker working on your behalf and for the new mayor of the city of Spokane. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. When we give each other Christmas presents in his name, let us remember that he has given us the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth with his forests and mountains and oceans and all that lives upon them. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective, and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620-99207. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this terrifying Tuesday episode of Right Spokane Perspective. I guess it's not too scary, Shannon. You know, if you and I just want to decide to quit working and do a bunch of drugs, there's lots of government programs for us to, you know, mooch off of. And of course, we can also just, uh, you know, pitch our tent with uh, Garcia and Ben Stuckert somewhere. Unfortunately, you know, you're going to have to do that on your own because I really like to work. You like running water? I like running water. I like heat. I like an actual bathroom with a toilet. Who would advocate for people to live in third world conditions i think these people are lunatics i can't believe that we we give them so much money to come up with so many bad ideas but i know that the voters were smarter than these individuals and that's why they passed that initiative that the pill courts backed up so what's next on the agenda here how other about than we start talking about trimming down trimming so down. we actually we actually like, have are you talking about trimming the trees not like trimming eight the trees. feet up so that homeless encampments aren't sitting inside of different areas along transportation well, we have seen our local schools start doing that to a lot of the trees so that well, it doesn't become an issue. It's all over the West Side. They're doing it everywhere around the uh, Olympia, City of Seattle. They got to trim the trees up. Otherwise, they get these homeless encampments that just create basically super fun sites with garbage and feces and things that they, yeah, they got to trim up the trees. But that's not the trimming that we're talking this about. This trimming down actually has to do with EWU going through uh, an audit and taking a look at its budgets. And more I than- I think every government-funded institution should be figuring out how to trim down. More than three years after a faculty report urged Eastern Washington University to rethink its spending on athletics and particularly football at a time of widespread. Hey, don't, pa- don't pause on the football thing. I know I'm a fan of I'm pausing because I but- like football. I like football. But what, why but- should we subsidize it? It's just like the discussion that's actually was a national discussion on subsidizing these guys' stadiums. They're paying, you know, these athletes at, at professional sports millions of dollars a year. Why am I subsidizing a sports stadium that I've never want to go into in the near future? Plus you got to buy expensive tickets. Well, Why I'm going to challenge you though, because it's like these coaches, coaches of, 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 
college football teams. 10, 12, 15 million dollar paychecks. Now they're talking about paying student athletes. So they're going to dive into that where student athletes are going to get sponsorships and this and that while the taxpayers are going to be stuck with the bill for the university overspending on their sports programs. Well, I want to say that the players being paid for sponsorships and for doing the subway commercials and things like we see, I think that idea came out of the thought that we were going to be going down this road and they were going to start taking funding away from then we have some kind of fascist kind of setup where these these students are going to be student athletes then instead of just being a private entity or being part of a football club or something they won't just pay their agent instead these universities are going to be getting kickbacks from these players doing the marketing because their sports programs need more money. It just becomes a money well, pit for the taxpayers. we could solve it all and just cut the administration because there's lots of people that, you know, just take care of some paperwork that, you know, two people could well, how about cutting take some, care of. How about cutting the underwater basket weaving? How, how about cutting the non-gender studies on international business coalitions of people that identify as pets. I, you know, the, all the craziness that they do, we fund all that and they're like, well, we don't have enough money. Why? Because you have an interim professor on gender normative uh, furries, well, right? Well, EWU's current budget woes are driven by shrinking undergraduate enrollments over the past five years. Are you telling me that people don't want to go to these universities to get told a whole bunch of nonsense by individuals that are overpaid that didn't succeed out in the real world? Actually, I'm going to tell you the truth. Young adults, they want to go out into the workforce. They want to get their degree with doing hands-on. I'm I'm going to school because I want to be a plumber. So therefore, I'm going to go and do plumbing while, right. because I need to learn how to be a plumber. I don't need to go and take all these classes well, that have nothing to do with kinda, plumbing to like, get a plumbing degree. Yeah, it's kind of like our daughter that's going to college and all of just like many other students that we've heard from, they're going to college to try to be a professional in a specific field. And instead they are taught that human biological plumbing doesn't necessarily mean who they are. <laughs> That's well, the plumbing problem that we have in the university system, there is, and it's hurting their budgets. There is a caveat that there are jobs and job titles that do require certain classes to be taken, and that's fine. But since 2018, the average annual headcount has fallen from 10,548 students to an estimated 7,012 students for 2023. And that's at EWU. That's at EWU. The decline is the yeah. steepest among undergraduates with enrollments in graduate programs and dual enrollment programs with high schools rising. Well, I, I think some of that might also have to do with decades of people not having children or aborting their children. If you want to look at the replacement rate over the last couple of decades of these students that would be now enrolling, you see a declining population as far as your basic people that live in a region, right? That are most likely to enroll in a local university. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue to see that decline, especially as we see more reliance on an immigration population that is actually kind of being brought in for low skilled labor so you're going to continue well, to see this decline let's talk dollars the school faced a structural budget gap of 14.5 million in fiscal year 2023 which dropped to about 11 million in the current fiscal year ewu's overall two-year operating budget for 2023 to 2025 is 640 million that's a pretty big budget so 
fourteen million out of a six hundred million dollar budget, I think they could probably find the money somewhere. I don't think it's an emergency, but I think they do have to look at the same thing we've been talking about with municipal governments, retailers, and basic economic realities. It's not just a decline in consumers. You know, whether you're in retail restaurants downtown or like that we've talked about or in the universities, it's also an inflation. And the universities already drove up the cost of college by like 100% over the last decade and a half. So your education costs double what it would have 10 years ago. And you're not getting more for your education. You're actually getting less because you have all this nonsense in education that they keep introducing more of. So that you're going to have less consumers, but you also have higher costs. You have all those interim professors. You have all those staff members where the minimum wage went up in all the union contracts, those wages go up. So some of these structural gaps are going to continue to grow with no real source of revenue to fill the gaps as the reality of basic economies, basic bad policies fall on organizations like EWU. Yep. To some well, extent of no fault of their own. We have around 45 programs were in the process of being eliminated and another 32 were duplicative and could be combined with other programs the report said. But this is a good thing. Oh, it is a good thing because if, if you can if you can combine them. They had 32 programs that were duplicative? Yep, that's what it says. So that tells me that we don't need more of our tax dollars going to universities and to government organizations. We need them to do like the American household has done with an economy and inflation that, that we're all foreseeing. I can't just go to my boss and say, well, you know, I really need a 20% increase in my income. Thank you very much. I'll come back to work tomorrow and expect that raise to be there. That ain't happening for most of the working population and government funded institutions, even private institutions need to do the same thing if they want to survive. Now, government institutions, traditionally, they can just create 32 new duplicative programs and they got away with it because they just soaked the taxpayers for more funding or they soaked the students with more debt. Now they're actually facing reality in a few places and they're saying oh look we got 32 programs we don't need <laughs> these are programs that nobody utilizes these are programs that are the exact same as that program over there why are we funding administration for programs that are the same in two different sides of our campus well and the other recommendation is to consider dropping from a division one d1 sports to a less expensive lower profile division such as d2 which echoes a recommendation from a faculty report published three years ago that called on the board to consider a variety of options to bring down athletic spending as it was making cuts to academics there's a lot of spending in athletics and i think it's going to continue uh, i know that people love their college sports. I don't have a problem with people loving their college sports. They can love their national leagues. I just don't think that grandma living on a fixed income that doesn't watch sports should subsidize it. And I think that's where we're at. Basically, all these universities, all these government entities need to be trimming the fat and cutting wasteful spending so that the so taxes students aren't there. can afford to attend for the classes they need to take. That's right. Yes. Like financial uh, awareness, financial literacy of any how to kind. buy a house. Well, they should do that in high school. They should. But we, you know, in, but they don't. Well, so if they do it in college, that'd be wonderful. We're too busy filling out forms and figuring out who people's pronouns are <laughs> instead of saying, hey, this is a person that would like 
like to learn factual, good information to thrive in the future. So, yeah, I think that's all going to have to to definitely change. But when you look at all of the wasted money in some of these organizations, institutions that are government funded, taxpayer subsidized, you've got other things that need to happen, like basic infrastructure, filling potholes. We need police to clean up downtown. We need the police to investigate you know, these drug cartels that we're subsidizing through welfare, drug tests for welfare. Again, we're just going to, I'm going to keep saying it, man. It just got 300 million in uncollected taxes because it's getting stolen. Because of retail theft. Because of retail theft. Because I'm gonna of keep people saying that it. are drug addicts. Because guess what? The, at the There's dr- where our waste the, is. Fix where the, the waste is. The typical drug addict spends 1300 to $2,600 a month on their addiction. I don't know how they can afford that. I certainly can't afford that. And I work lots of overtime. Where are they getting that money? They're getting it from subsidies because we don't drug test for welfare. They're getting the money for their addictions, illegal drugs and alcohol by stealing stuff from stores that we end up having to pay the money for. And reselling it on Facebook Marketplace. Right. So instead of using uh, uh, the existing tax infrastructure to fund the basic things, nope, we're going to fund more coalitions, to create more policy, to create more advocates around people that want to see widespread third world country living right in our uh, public areas next to our residential uh, communities on drugs, living in depravity. And we're thinking, uh, why do we have to raise taxes to fill potholes? Don't they already have tax revenue for that? Why don't we have kickbacks from the state in the boondoggle of their climate action, you know, legislation in increasing all of our prices on everything in Washington state. So instead, municipal governments have to turn to their citizens and ask them to pay yet even more. And unfortunately, that's what the Spokane Valley has to do. They are eyeing a vehicle tab tax. This is out of the spokesman. And the Spokane Valley City Council wavered on the best way to move forward with a funding source for its newly created transportation benefit district. But in the end, voted to advance an ordinance setting a $20 car tab fee to a second and final reading later this month. Well, so this is where... The city of Spokane went a long time ago, right? To raise a small amount of money, it's really not all that large. It's about two point um, seven million a year. Well, two point seven estimated million for, for the, the city of Spokane Valley. In, in Spokane, it's much higher than that. Higher population. We're paying for it. lots of things that most residents don't want to pay for. We just want the streets to be fixed. We want potholes filled. We still have a lot of dirt roads in our neighborhood. You know, we have a state system of collecting revenue for transportation. We have some of the highest gas taxes in the country. Maybe the state money could be better utilized like we've talked about on the show. Eastern Washington, we need to get our fair share of tax dollars back to fix our streets. Not our fairy share, our fair share. Right. So we're just paying taxes on more taxes and more taxes. We got to fix the state policy so that we're funding infrastructure. All that being said, we'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.